0: good morning everyone I hope uh, you've had a good night's rest and uh, uh, as as stated or or announced yesterday evening, this morning we will have uh, a session on comprehensive meditation instructions. And so there will be many, many points to be uh, mentioned, and please try to uh, uh, listen as carefully as possible and uh, try to apply what is being said, or what will be said to your practice as best as you can. Now, what we will be practicing here during this certain uh, retreat is uh, Satipatthana meditation in the tradition of the late Venerable Hasi Sayada of of uh, Burma. And uh, this form of meditation consists of Uh, uh, mindfulness in formal sitting meditation mindfulness in formal walking meditation and also mindfulness during general activities so in other words uh, uh, through mindfulness uh, throughout during all activities throughout our waking hours so we'll start uh, with a detailed explanation on how to practice, how to be mindful you know, during a formal sitting meditation. In terms of a sitting posture, please uh, feel a you know, choose a posture that. Uh, Uh, is uh, that you can maintain comfortably over a longer period of time. The (coughs) Satipatthana Sutta itself, other suttas uh, uh, indicate to sit in full lotus, but not everyone will be uh, in a position to do this and uh, instead of that uh, you're welcome to sit in the half lotus posture with one uh, leg rest or one foot uh, resting on the thigh of the other leg uh, if that posture too is uh, not comfortable yeah, then you could consider sitting in uh, the so-called Burmese uh, posture which means you place one leg in front of uh, the other without uh, the legs uh, intertwining and uh, uh, then uh, see how uh, that uh, goes if uh, uh, that posture also is not uh, to uh, your Um, or if you cannot maintain it over a longer uh, period of time, then you could uh, consider uh, sitting on a bench and suddenly with both of your feet uh, pointing backwards. Otherwise, sitting on one or two cushions is another possibility, especially for those who are relatively new to the practice. Raising the buttocks off the ground will help uh, with the uh, sitting posture. Then it's easier to keep the the body straightened, you'll have less uh, pains in the uh, muscles, in the thigh muscles. For those of you who have uh, had, let's say, some you know, back injury, maybe even a surgery, or some chronic uh, um, problem, you're welcome to sit uh, on a chair, but uh, please do so without leaning, uh, leaning against the backrest. If you lean against the backrest, then uh, this will uh, take away a lot of your physical effort, and certainly, with this, it's quite, certainly it is quite easy uh, to fall asleep. Then the next uh, thing you know, to be explained is the position of our hands. You know, we can place the hands either on the knees or between the knees, or um, the one uh, hand placed on the other you know, in, and resting in uh, the palm uh, in the lap of foot, uh, the uh, body. The posture of you know, your um, of your hands mm, isn't satna all that important. In some traditions, much importance is being a, attributed to it. You know, the main you know, thing uh, is satna to develop intuitive wisdom, and this can be done placing one's hands in different ways. Now, in terms of you know, the breathing. We try uh, not to manipulate satna the breathing, that's one uh, basic uh, point. If at uh, times the breathing is a bit uh, faster, uh, then we just observe it the way it is. If at other times it's uh, rather uh, slow and shallow, again, uh, we just observe it as it is. We try not to interfere with the breathing as much as possible. So we keep our posture, and we keep our body as upright as possible. The trunk ideally at uh, an angle of 90 degrees to the ground, and then, uh, during the past meditation, usually the eyes suddenly remain closed, except for cases of uh, sloth and torpor. Uh, and there, if you are suffering from that uh, much sloth and torpor, you could consider opening your eyes, keeping them open for a while. And then later on, when that sloth and torpor is gone, then you close your eyes and you continue. Now, In the Mahasi tradition of Satna Vipassana meditation, the primary object in the sitting meditation is the rising falling movement of the abdomen. And as the rising movement takes place, we focus our attention on it, we briefly label it as rise or rising, and Satna then we carefully try to observe it and to know its nature. And in observing it, we're trying to observe it from its very beginning through its middle until its very end. In the case of the falling movement of the abdomen, it's the same thing. So when the falling movement takes place, then then at the very beginning of the falling movement, we briefly label as fall or falling. This will be a silent, gentle label in the mind, not to be spoken out loud. And then we focus our attention on that falling movement, from start to finish, and we we label it, we observe it, and then we try to know its nature. As the next rising movement occurs, it will be just the same thing. So again. First we label it, then we try to observe it from its very beginning through its middle until the very end, and we try to know the qualities of the object. Knowing the nature of the rising or falling movement of the abdomen means knowing simple things like the qualities of it, the features, the specific characteristics of it, in terms of sensations, in terms of the movement. So what do you experience there? Do you experience the rising movement as an expansion of the abdomen, or rather as a contraction of the abdomen, do you experience it as, let's say, tension, stiffness, uh, tightness, or a release of of tension, stiffness, tightness? What about the movement itself? Is it a continuous movement, a discontinuous movement, slow, quick, hindered movement, etc., etc.? What about the temperature element? There are so many different things you know, to be observed and known in the case of a rising movement and falling movement of the abdomen. Now, while we are observing the rising-falling movement of the abdomen, the primary object, it could well be that the mind goes off into thinking. And then remembering some event of the past, in which case we take the remembering as an object of observation, we label that accordingly, we observe it, and suddenly we try to know its nature. If uh, no, the mind goes into planning, what certainly will I be doing after no, this retreat? No, then. Uh, this too, please label it accordingly as planning, and satna then observe it. Make sure you do not suddenly get caught up in the content of uh, the uh, the thinking, and satna then know its nature when the planning, the remembering, the thinking in general subsides, then bring your attention back to the primary object. Now, We're back to the rise and fall. So again, we label it, we observe it, we know its nature. And suddenly, sooner or later, a pain is likely to occur somewhere in the body. It could be in the back, could be in the knee, could be in the foot, in different uh, places. Wherever the pain occurs, we focus our attention on it. We briefly label it as pain. And suddenly, we're trying to observe Mm, observe it as best as we can from start to finish and know it's the most predominant features. Now when it comes to the observation of foot Pains and eggs and other predominant sensations in the body, then there are some very basic observational categories that uh, you could pay attention to. What's number one? What kind of pain is it? Is it a burning pain, a stinging pain, a stabbing pain, a throbbing pain, a, a tearing pain, etc.? Or Mm, what about the intensity of that pain? So, is uh, the pain that you're observing a pain of high intensity or low intensity? As you're observing the pain, is the intensity increasing? Is it decreasing? And eventually, how is it disappearing? Apart from you know, these certain, uh, very basic observation categories, you could uh, also uh, consider uh, observing and uh, then uh, coming to know. Uh, the pain, in terms of its uh, uh, location, so what is it suddenly doing? Is the pain occurring in one spot, and suddenly then lasting, uh, staying there for a while, and then eventually disappearing in the same spot, or is it uh, that certain pain arises in one spot, and suddenly then, as you're observing it, it spreads out over a larger uh, area, and eventually uh, then uh, disappears? And certainly, it might disappear in a different. Uh, in a spot. Then A fourth basic observational category you know, with regard to pains and other predominant uh, physical sensations would be you know, the time factor. So how is our object doing in terms of time? Is it uh, a long-lasting pain that lasts for the entire hour, or is it a pain that lasts just a couple of minutes, or just a few seconds, or maybe even less than that, uh, just a few moments? Whatever it might be, simply just uh, observe and know what's going on. When a pain has suddenly subsided, uh, then uh, bring your attention or focus uh, your attention back onto the primary object, namely the rising and falling movement of the abdomen. And suddenly, then, as explained in the past, label it, observe it, try to know its nature. Now part of our mindfulness satna practice is also to include the predominant mental objects in our field of observation and among those we have various mental uh, states uh, such as joy, uh, such as misery, such as calmness or restlessness, agitation or equanimity or uh, good mindfulness, concentration, distraction of the mind and so on and so forth. There are other mental objects that might occur, for instance, images, mental images, or we might hear uh, some music in in the mind, etc. All of those, if they are predominant, are to be included in our field of observation. Furthermore, when uh, Uh, The hearing process takes place, so we sit in meditation and we hear some external sound. That, too, is a valid object of observation. We focus our attention on it, we label it accordingly, we observe it, and we try to know its nature. When the sound subsides, then our attention goes back to the primary object. One of the very basic maxims in the uh, Mahasi mm, form of mindfulness satya meditation is starting with the rising phonic movement of the abdomen, we uh, label, observe and know the most predominant object that naturally arises in the body or in the mind. And it's uh, usually one object at a time. If on occasion two objects of equal predominance occur, in this case then the choice is up to you. You choose whichever one you find more interesting. Having said certainly this, there will be, however, two phases in the meditation practice where. It appears as if several objects are occurring at the same time. So simultaneously, um, there are objects are there. In this case, focus your attention on the primary objects and just roughly know the presence of those other objects. The mm-hmm. venerable Naad uh, Upandita nabibums uh, of Burma has uh, uh, over many years uh, stressed. Uh, you know, th- three basic aspects with regard to objects. The first one is the occurrence of an object. The second aspect consists of two points, namely the labeling of an object and the observation of it. And then as number three, knowing its nature with regard to the occurrence of an object there's nothing much you have to do there objects will occur of their own accord so it's just simply recognizing the next step namely the labeling or uh, noting of the predominant object, that involves certain uh, your or some effort from your sign. And, uh, so uh, then please try to uh, choose a simple uh, label that uh, fits uh, what is uh, occurring. If you cannot uh, right away find the proper label, then just go for a very generic term, let's say like sensation or so, and for the time being that will be good enough now having labeled an object then mm, we want to observe it and by observing you know, we mean we want to be aware of it and so, you know, that second aspect n- n- consisting of labeling and observing then gets followed by knowing the nature And the knowing part obviously involves the wisdom factor, so coming to know the nature, the qualities of an object. Now those certain three aspects, occurrence of an object, the labeling plus the uh, observation of the object and knowing its certain nature, those three please try to apply you know, to all of your predominant objects as they are arising in the sitting meditation, in the walking meditation, and in uh, your gen- general activities. The same three aspects you can also you know, use when... Preparing your uh, your uh, report for the interview, and when and giving your report during the interview, and some more will be explained on that in a little while. <coughs> now. When it comes to mental factors that are needed to properly do this form of mindfulness meditation, we have mindfulness, we have aiming, in the Pali scripture language known as Vitaka. then there's also the need for effort, viriya, in the Pani scriptural language, and satna, then vichara, uh, which is a Pani term, and satna, that satna stains, uh, is a jhanic kutnu factor, and in Vipassana meditation it uh, represents this rubbing, the rubbing of the mind against satna, the object. Now, the way this satna works is as follows. An object uh, presents itself. The mind satna then gets aimed at the object. So that's your wittaka aspect, the aiming part. Now, The aiming itself will not be enough. The Effort, effort needs to be um, exerted uh, so that suddenly the observing and knowing mind gets propelled towards suddenly the object, so that the observing and knowing mind uh, moves towards suddenly the object. Then. With proper aiming and satna proper uh, effort, a well balanced uh, effort, then the observing and knowing mind will be um, rubbing against uh, the object. And if that is happening over a longer period of time, then uh, mindfulness satna will uh, arise and so, uh, then will be sustained over a longer period of time. The mindfulness in turn, sustained mindfulness uh, in turn, will then allow for the arising of concentration. And that in turn, namely the concentration, will then prepare the ground for the arising of intuitive wisdom. Now, when it comes to mindfulness, it cannot be overstated um, or stated frequently enough. The continuity of it is really important. It's good to have mindfulness, but if the mindfulness is somewhat intermittent, which means it's there for a moment and then it's gone for the next five minutes, then that kind of a mindfulness is certainly going to be rather weak, and with that we can't uh, um, observe properly what is going on. A few more words about the labeling. The labeling is something that uh, um, was uh, recommended by uh, the Buddha itself. It appears the Pali uh, quotation mark iti mm, indicates uh, know, that the Buddha had certainly uh, spoken or had meant uh, to include uh, labeling. Now the labeling of uh, you know, objects will help uh, us uh, to gain clarity About what kind of an object it is that certain we're focusing our attention on, and uh, as you will know, know, there are hundreds of different uh, objects, and they are not necessarily all the same. So to simply refer to all objects as, let's say, to all physical objects as sensations would be um, not certain uh, uh, will will not be. Sufficient and will not uh, help us to gain clarity, will not help it, no, to make this distinction between one object and another object. Now, another important aspect with regard to the labeling is the frequency. Over time, you want to find just the right amount of uh, labeling. If it's too often, like every uh, half second or so, you will not have enough time to actually observe and know the quality of the different objects. And If your labeling is too far apart, then it could easily occur that maybe some thinking comes in. So You need to find a good certain rhythm uh, or a good certain frequency that, for one thing, ensures that you're labeling objects, but at the same time also ensures uh, that you have enough time uh, to carefully observe and uh, know uh, the nature of uh, the respective objects that come up. As mentioned earlier on, in terms of the labeling, there's no need for any sophisticated the language, also no need to use Pali terms. Just simple, everyday vocabulary will be good enough. Still one more point. Among the three the labelling, the observation and the knowing, the labelling is just a crutch, it helps us, it's not the most important thing. Even if it, at times we miss to label an object, that's okay, if, uh, or as long as we are um, aware of the object, as long as we are observing it and knowing its uh, nature. So, maybe this much with regard certain to the sitting meditation, now allow me you know, to proceed and uh, to uh, give you more detailed instructions on the walking meditation so, in the Masi tradition of the pasta meditation, walking a formal walking meditation is part and parcel of uh, uh, the meditation practice, the mindfulness practice, and uh, The walking meditation is as important as the sitting meditation, so the Dhamma can be realized not only in the sitting meditation but also in the walking meditation, as well as uh, possibly during the general mindfulness and general activities. Now The Vilma Mahasi Sayada of Vatnam Burma has certainly spoken of three forms of walking meditation during the first form uh, we um, are mindful as the right leg moves we label this as right sudden step we observe it, we know its nature as suddenly the left leg moves we label this as left step and suddenly, then we observe it and know its satna nature so that's the first form the second form consists of dividing one step into two parts namely the lifting process and the lowering and placing of the foot and here here, then the focus is on the most predominant sensations in the foot itself as it is being lifted, as it is being lowered and placed. The third form of walking meditation, which should will be even slower than the first two, consists of dividing one step into three parts, namely the lifting process, the forward movement, and the lowering and placing. And so, you know, the lifting portion or process and the lowering and placing of the foot is as sub dimension already. The only new thing here is certain the forward certain movement of Satna the foot, so we're trying to you know, spend an equal amount of time especially during the first few days of an intensive retreat later on this may change on uh, the sitting meditation and walking meditation. So if we sit for one hour, then we're trying to also walk for one hour. Later on, if we uh, sit, uh, let's say, uh, longer uh, than, uh, more than one hour, uh, well, then we'll try to uh, do the walking meditation at least for uh, one hour. When you do your walking meditation, please choose a path that is certain. uh, not uh, neither too long nor too short, uh, a distance of or a length of five to ten meters will be quite certain and sufficient. Also make sure that uh, your uh, path that you 've selected where you want to do your walking meditation does not crisscross with uh, the path of some other retreat. It's the reason for this being that it easily uh, leads to some social friction now during the first few days of ferner retreat, we tried to um, spend about one third of a walking session on the first type of walking meditation one third the second third on the second type of walking meditation and the third third on the third type of fatna walking meditation so if we do a walking session of one hour then we'll spend typically 20 minutes on uh, labelling as left step, right step, left step, right step, and of course being aware of the different sensations and knowing what's happening there. And uh, then during the next 20 minutes, you will. Know, we'll uh, do the second form of walking meditation consisting of being mindful of the lifting process and the lowering placing of the foot. And during the final 20 uh, minutes, uh, we slow down our uh, walking meditation and we divide one step into three uh, parts, namely the lifting process, the forward movement, and the lowering and placing. Now, for those of you who are new to the Mahasi uh, style or Mahasi tradition of uh, Satipatthana meditation, allow me to demonstrate the walking meditation. So, first point, certainly is we try to keep our body as upright as possible. And uh, or when you do your walking meditation, please uh, try not to look at your feet. Uh, this happens naturally. And certainly. so instead, focus your eyes at a point maybe you know, three, four uh, meters ahead of you. And certainly this Satna will be uh, good enough. Now, during the first uh, form of uh, walking uh, meditation, as satna uh, the left satna uh, leg uh, moves, we label as left satna uh, step, and then we carefully observe the different sensations that occur anywhere in uh, the leg, so leg including you know, the foot. So we focus our attention on any predominant sensation that occurs uh, either in the leg or uh, the foot. Then, right sudden step and all of our attention goes to the right satna leg as it uh, moves satna forward, and satna we try to observe and No, the different sensations there. So, left step, and satna then again, right step, and left step, and right step. Now, when you come to the end of the lane. And uh, you're standing, then please take the standing posture itself as an object of observation. Label that accordingly as standing. Focus certainly your attention on the predominant sensations in. The feet, and suddenly then you can try to know what's going on there. Then after, mm, after this, or the standing will be followed by the process of turning. These two we want to do mindfully. So first, if there is a predominant sensation, take the sensation itself as an object, and Satna then um, label the intention as intending to. To turn and suddenly then be mindful of label and be mindful of the process of turning the body. So it's something like this: turning, 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 turning. There you go. And suddenly then, when we're standing again, the standing becomes suddenly the next object of observation. So we label that, label it, observe it, and know it. And now, in terms of the second form of walking meditation, we do we try to do this more slowly than during the first form, and then we focus. This time, we focus our attention on the predominant sensations in the foot itself. So, in the foot, while we're lifting the foot, in the foot, while we're lowering and placing the foot. And so, um, only on occasion when some predominant sensation is uh, arises in the body and it calls our attention, okay, then our attention goes there. But for the most part, you know, the attention goes to you know, the sensations in the foot itself. And you know, please uh, let me emphasize you know, we're always focusing our attention on you know, the sensations in the foot, which is the foot which is moving and not the other one which remains static on the ground. This will take a little bit of getting used to but gradually uh, it will happen. So it looks like this. Starting with the left foot, you can start left, right, it doesn't matter. So First, uh, the uh, lifting process. If an intention is there to lift, and uh, the intention is obvious, then take that as an object, label that as intending to lift, and then followed by the actual lifting process of the foot. So you label that as lifting, and then carefully trying to observe and know know, the different sensations that occur in the the foot as it is being lifted off the ground. So already when the heel is coming off the ground, what kind of sensation is predominant at that point? Do you, an, you know, do you experience a release of pressure? Do you experience a lightening, or do you experience know, maybe a pulling sensation, heat, cold, warmth, and so on and so forth? And suddenly. So, you know, there might be a stretching the foot, so, you know, then some pressure in the ball of the foot, so, you know, some light, so maybe at first certain heavier, then lighter sensations in you know, the toes. And then what happens as uh, you know, the you know, foot comes off the ground and you know, then uh, moves upwards. So there's much, much, much to be you know, observed there, really from moment to moment to moment. And then uh, as we start to lower the foot we briefly label this as lowering and suddenly then we carefully observe and know the different sensations that occur in the foot as it uh, gets lowered or as it is suddenly lowering and suddenly then as it gets suddenly placed on uh, the ground now at the very first uh, moment of the foot touching the ground what kind of sensations are predominant at that point do you experience softness or hardness or roughness or smoothness heat cold pressure and so on and so forth and so pay closest attention to this so here comes the touching and then the foot being placed on the ground then you might suddenly notice a gradual Mm, distribution of you know, the pressure of the body weight onto you know, the foot, and so, you know, then pay close attention to the sensations, other sensations that might go along with that, and so, you know, then mm, the, as the other foot you know, come, gradually comes up, you know, then be mindful of that. So again, you know, they're lifting, and so, you know, we want to be aware of the sensations there, and so, you know, then Mm, still some more lifting and suddenly then lowering and placing. And again, lifting and lowering and placing. Now, for the second type of walking meditation, as well as the third type of walking meditation, it is best not to uh, take long steps. If you were to take a long step, yeah, then as you're placing one foot on the ground, the other one will already come off the ground. Then you'll have two predominant objects, the mind doesn't know where to go. So shorter steps are much more uh, convenient. So something like this. And then lifting and uh, lowering and placing. Kay. At the end of foot, now the path, as we're standing, again, we label as standing, we observe the different sensations that occur, and we try to note the nature of the different objects. Then, you know, the intention to turn, we label that as intending to turn, followed by the physical process of turning the body. So, turn, and turning, turning, and again, turning, turning. Voila! So, that's that. Now as for the third type of footnote walking meditation we do this even more slowly than the second mm, form of walking meditation and this time we divide one step into three parts namely the lifting process the forward movement and the lowering and placing and uh, so the only new thing here is this forward uh, movement and suddenness I'll show you now, how, what to do there. At the beginning of the forward movement, briefly label as you know, moving or gliding, and then carefully focus you know, your attention on this forward movement, the movement itself. What is it like? Is it a continuous movement? Is it a discontinuous movement? A segmented movement? Now then, what about your balance? Do you manage to keep your balance? Or you know, are you losing your balance, almost falling over? And so, then, what about? The Predominant sensations in the food is there n- heaviness, lightness, heat, cold, warmth, n- maybe n- some numbness or some tingling sensations, and so on and so forth. So, there's much to be observed. The forward movement experience improves, n- is at first um, somewhat more difficult to, to n- observe and to know, but over time n- you'll see that n- you'll, n- you'll get it. So, that's that. You no know, part of the meditation practice you know, especially the walking meditation and general activities is restrained So restraint of the senses, this involves not only restraint of the eyes and ears, but it also involves certain restraint of our arms and the body as a a whole. So when we do the walking meditation, we don't do it in a leisurely manner, uh, like uh, happily uh, walking down the street together with friends and making fun and so on. but rather, we want to, you know, stay as composed as possible. So the hands are either in—we f- keep the hands either in front of, foot uh, the body or uh, behind, but definitely not uh, uh, swinging along uh, like uh, this. Mm-hmm. Restraint of the senses is important. Slowing down uh, is also uh, an important feature during the for the walking meditation as well as for uh, the general activities. So keep those sub points set in mind. And just like in the, the sitting meditation, you know, we want to be, we want to keep up a continuity of our mindfulness, really from moment to moment to moment to moment. If on occasion, in the, your walking meditation, you're overwhelmed by thinking, so you're doing you know, mechanically doing the walking meditation, but the mind is just somewhere else. In that case, what you could do is you simply stop walking, then focus your attention on the thinking itself, label that accordingly, observe it, know it's nature, don't get involved in the content of uh, your thoughts, and then when the thinking clears, Mm. then continue with your uh, walking meditation. Voila! So that's that for the this much for the walking meditation, and now we'll go on with a few explanations on the general activities. Now, everything apart, all the other activities, apart from formal sitting meditation, apart from formal walking meditation, then fall under the category of uh, general activities. And so now this covers um, activities such as the very process of waking up in the morning. So. Um, maybe to already give you a small small piece of homework here in the morning. With which object do you wake up? To which object do you wake up? Do you wake up to an external sound, or do you wake up to, let's say, some uh, stiffness in the body, or uh, do you wake up uh, with some thought, etc., etc. So, the very process of waking up would be part or is part of our mindfulness practice, as well as you know, the entire process of gradually getting up, so, you know, lifting the, you know, the trunk out of, or raising the trunk, then you know, turning around and you know, gradually. Uh, bringing uh, the uh, feet across satna, the edge of fatna, the bed, and satna then raising uh, the body, and so on and so forth. Now, also part of your fatna general activities is the entire process of, fatna, uh, uh, let's say, getting ready, taking, uh, going to, uh, the, or, uh, using the restroom, uh, taking a shower, and the entire process of putting on clothing, are you really aware of this, are you aware of putting on the pants, are you aware of putting on, let's say, a shirt, and the different sensations that go along uh, with this, or are you doing this in a rather mechanical uh, manner. Now, we want to do these certain activities, even the most simple activities, with as much mindfulness as mm, possible. Now, another big area for for observation consists of the meals, breakfast, lunch, and certainly the juice in the afternoon. Now, there too, Let's say for, no, for a meal, you put something, mm, let's say you have a bowl of and granola. Uh, in front of you and then you want to be mindful of this entire process of first of all picking up the spoon and then taking the spoon bringing it towards the bowl of granola then putting it into the bowl and then scooping some granola with milk and then bringing all of this towards the mouth then you want to be mindful of the process of of opening you know, the mouth, placing the spoon with the granola in the mouth, being mindful of withdrawing the spoon and then the entire process of chewing you know, the granola. And Especially when it comes to you know, the chewing part, there's so much to be observed there. So first of all, um, what is happening in terms of um, you know, the taste? What about you know, the density or the texture of um, the granola? Uh, so you know, do you experience this as something at first you know, something uh, rather... You know, well. Uh, a bit hard and uh, with fine uh, edges or or well crunchy, or uh, do you experience it as uh, you know, something mushy etc etc What about the temperature so uh, the milk in the mouth, is this warm, is this cold, is it very cold? And as you're chewing the food, the granola, then what happens? What about the chewing process itself? The movements involved, movements of the tongue, movements of the mouth, and maybe even different sounds go along with this. So there's much to be observed there. and we have a tendency to get lost in thinking during um, you know, the act of fatna taking a meal, and so be aware of this and try to cut it, and so time and again come back cut to a bare observation and knowing, labeling observation, and knowing of fatna, what is satna going on. Now, another you know, another simple aspect would be When it's time to, mm, let's say you're thirsty and suddenly then uh, you uh, would like to uh, drink some water or some juice now then uh, be mindful of the very process first of all be mindful of uh, going towards uh, in search of a, uh, of a glass now be uh, mindful of uh, then uh, reaching for uh, the juice and then uh, when you once you filled your uh, your glass then bring it mindfully towards the mouth and then mindfully uh, drink that satna glass of juice when you're Done, don't just take the glass and mm, you know, hit it onto you know, the table, but rather mindfully you know, place it there uh, with much you know, gentleness. Now, mm, mindfulness in uh, General activities also covers certain things like putting on shoes, taking taking of shoes. It covers certain things like opening and closing the eyes, opening and closing of doors, and certainly during your yogi jobs, you want to you know, there you want to maintain a somewhat uh, coarse mindfulness mm, there. As certain you know, there's a you know, certain time pressure you need to be done by a certain time, so at that point, if you speed up your work you know, that's fine you know, but you know, nonetheless try to maintain some degree of uh, mindfulness so that you're at least you know, somewhat uh, aware of what you're you know, doing then during you know, the or mindfulness of general activities also includes our activities in our own room. There's a tendency you know, that you know, when the retreatants enter you know, into, you know, the, into their you know, room, and then they leave their mindfulness behind. And So try to counter that and to maintain your mindfulness as much as you can. So, in the course of the retreat it is your in, in, in the end it's uh, your responsibility to well no areas of but, you know, general activities you know, that you're not really mindful of, and then try to include those in your field of observation. Now when it comes to you know, mindfulness during general activities, here too we try to perform things as slowly as possible. Slowing down very much helps to see more details, and um, so, you know, we also you know, try to restrain our senses. and. Mm, in places like the dining hall, you know, when we take a meal, breakfast, certainly at lunch, you know, then try to avoid eye contact also at certain other times, because that uh, tends to uh, well, distract the mind. Maybe uh, this much in terms of mindfulness you know, during general activities. Now a few more, you know, a few points about you know, the interview process, and then we're almost done. Now, regular you know, the interviews, <coughs> and we'll have you know, six interviews a week you know, during this you know, retreat. Mm-hmm. Are an integral part of uh, the Mahasi uh, style of Vipassana meditation, and certainly you will see the regular interviews uh, will, for one thing, help to galvanize your practice, because if you know, you know the next interview is just around the corner, just 24 hours away, you know, then uh, and you will have to say something, you know, then you, know, you have to you know, pay close attention to what's going on in your practice. The second major benefit of uh, regular interviews is you know, that uh, you'll receive some advice from the meditation teacher, advice, explanations, encouragement, maybe some corrective measures, etc. And that kind of information turns out to be extremely helpful and will help a retreat and then to move ahead in the practice and will also help especially to overcome difficulties. Now, the preparations for the interview begin already with uh, possibly writing down uh, your Mm, most important experiences right after a good sitting session and a good walking meditation. Please do not write down your experiences in the meditation hall itself during, you know, during the sessions. This will you know, disrupt your fellow you know, retreatants. For that, you know, please do this outside of the Hall. So after a good sitting session, after a good walking session, briefly write down uh, your main experiences, what satna happened, and, satna, and then when by the time uh, the next interview comes, then before the interview comes, look at your notes and then choose, mm-hmm, choose one uh, good sitting session, one good walking session that satna both uh, well represent satna, your practice. Now, when you come into the interview room, please, as uh, uh, at all times, try to maintain uh, your mindfulness as much as you can, and uh, then mm, in your uh, report try to adhere you know, to you know, some basic principles, you know, from, even from modern sciences, namely accuracy, brevity, and precision. So try to be as accurate as possible in your description of Fertner, what happened in this sudden. still observe you know, the aspect of brevity, sort of keeping things short to the point, and being precise. As mentioned earlier on, when you give your report, there's no need to uh, use complicated Pani technical uh, terms, just uh, use ordinary, uh, simple, uh, descriptive language. You want at the beginning of your report, please first satna report on your best sitting meditation and here start with a description of your rising and falling movement of the abdomen and suddenly then in, uh, in a chronological manner move on to other predominant objects as they occur during the sitting session and then when you're done with a description of the sitting session if time permits then also give uh, a report on your walking meditation and uh, for both sitting and uh, walking meditation trying to adhere to those uh, three aspects the occurrence of an object the labeling of it plus the observation plus knowing its uh, nature now what's uh, during your when you give your report, please you know, try not to report from imagination so you know, try not to make up put, you know, some you know, some at, you know, some points in trying to please your teacher this is not necessary if you 've had a couple of difficult sitting and walking sessions, well then, uh, if they best represent your practice, well then just report what's going on. So honesty mm, is an important aspect, so maintain that as much as you can during your uh, interviews. What else? There's also no need to evaluate your own practice. So you know, to give you an example for this, you come into the meditation room, the teacher asks you to give you a report, and the first sentence you, you know, that comes rolling out of your mouth is, I think my practice is great, and my and concentration is superb, and my mindfulness is super-duper continuous. Now, that is a self-evaluation. What the teacher thinks of your you know, your report might be a totally different thing. So. Please try to refrain from any kind of evaluating or assessing your practice and s- simply just report what actually happened. And uh, uh, the teachers here uh, will then carefully listen to what you say and uh, will uh, then. Um, determine whether uh, your practice is satna really as certain good as you are saying or uh, not, or not we have to be careful with certainly evaluation, evaluations self evaluations as retreatants. Especially when we are still somewhat new to the practice, one easily uh, goes wrong, one easily ends up misjudging, misassessing, uh, or wrongly assessing one's own practice. There are points in the meditation practice where certain experiences that look like no progress whatsoever, no new development, actually are um, the signs of a further development in one's meditation. And so, please do know that Satna, Marcia, and I were here to support you in your meditation practice. See us as Satna, your, your friends. We're not here uh, to uh, give you a hard time. And so, there's no need to uh, get uh, nervous uh, during uh, the interviews. Okay, now we're almost Tatna done. Especially during the first couple of days of a retreat, some initial difficulties tend to occur that's normal, such as being overwhelmed by sloth and torpor, such as becoming a victim of you know, wandering mind and then you know, experiencing plenty of pains and aches in the body when it's not used to you know, sitting for you know, one hour after another you know, throughout or, or you know, one hour of sitting meditation full hour of walking meditation, etc. And so there it you know, may... Also a certain discouragement mm-hmm. it's not so easy to maintain to keep uh, uh, keep up the schedule you know, to follow it and get up early and practice all you know, day long so those are some of you know, the initial difficulties just know that's just you know, what happens mm-hmm. those initial difficulties will you know, over time subside until uh, you have all the qualities you know, to over calm them. And you'll see very soon your meditation will turn around and suddenly there'll be a number of rather rewarding experiences and then these initial difficulties will be forgotten. Now one last point, and this is an important point, is mm, advice basically about keeping up mm. balanced practice. Time and again, there are uh, retreatants who don't quite uh, uh, understand you know, the importance of balanced practice, and as a result of phatna uh, the then some uh, strange experiences take place. Now, we, during a retreat, we want to ensure that uh, we do drink enough, uh, we n- take, uh, n- take enough liquids. It's uh, during the daytime. It's quite warm here, so we do want to uh, drink enough and not get dehydrated. Also, in terms of intake of food, mm, uh, moderation in eating is certainly you know, the uh, maxim, neither you know, eating too much nor too little. If we eat too much we end up you know, getting drowsy during the following sitting session. If we eat you know, too little you know, then we'll end up you know, feeling hungry and you know, having not enough strength to do it, you know, the practice. Uh, there's sometimes There have been cases where retreatants have tried to to intensify this Vipassana meditation even more by saying, okay, now let me combine this with fasting. And uh, this might not necessarily be a good idea. Vipassana meditation is rather strenuous, it takes a lot of you know, physical effort, it takes a lot of mental effort, and so, you know, this kind of a level of effort can be maintained you now only you know, by you know, moderate you know, by or through a moderate intake of you know, food. Now what else you Please make sure that you don't get uh, constipated. If you're constipated for three or more uh, days, either uh, start uh, taking laxatives, or uh, if you don't have, uh, then come and uh, talk to Marcia or me, and uh, we might have uh, some exercises for you, or uh, some uh, solution can be uh, arranged being constipated over a longer you know, period of time is definitely not very not a pleasant you know, thing to experience the mind will be irritated and uh, it's difficult to observe objects now please stay away from any kind of um, extreme form of praxis, practice practice you know, such as um, by by willpower sitting through you know, the entire night even though one's practice satna does not merit that, uh, as satna yet, there are points when one does satna, get by with less sleep, and one can practice satna more, uh, also during the night. yes, satna that's there, but if one does that willfully, then it might not be appro- or it might not be appropriate. So uh, do uh, consult Satna with your uh, teachers on that point. What Satna else? um, Please try not to push Satna through excruciating levels of pain. Uh, You're not here to uh, set Satna records, but rather uh, to uh, simply just observe and know the predominant objects as they are occurring should a pain in the body become excruciating, and you can really not tolerate it anymore, do feel free to change your sitting posture. However, be mindful of this, be mindful of the very intention to change your posture, be mindful of the very process of changing your posture, and do all of this uh, slowly. Another common mistake is you know, that uh, some uh, retreatants, having heard um, information um, about Samatha meditation, you know, think that uh, in Vipassana meditation uh, thoughts should simply not arise. So there should be a total absence of thoughts, and this is certain as, uh, not certain, or this is unrealistic. During the Vipassana meditation, the thinking is part of is a part of our you know, mindfulness practice. So when a predominant thought occurs, you know, then we want to label it, we want to observe it, we want to know its nature. When it subsides, we go you know, back to the primary object. Please try to practice according to your ability. If at times you find it difficult to sit for the full hour, okay, then um, change your posture and continue. If even that uh, proves to be too much, well, then slowly, mindfully, without making noise, get up and uh, then do some walking meditation outside. Now, at times we are we ourselves are our greatest enemies and certainly in the meditation practice this happens might happen by putting excessive pressure on ourselves namely by uh, entertaining high expectations in terms of what we want to realize, what we want to achieve during you know, this retreat. Also it could be by competing with fellow retreatants. So stay away from anything, uh, from, stay away from expectations and sudden, any form of competition, any form of comparison. Mm, all of this is culture productive. instead, simply just be mindful of you know, the expectations, be mindful of uh, uh, competition and uh, uh, any form of comparison. All you need to do is simply just uh, label, observe, and know whatever predominant object comes along. Now, at times we push our own mind far too hard into states of extreme fear, worry, and guilt, self judgment, and the like, and that is not helpful. So should you be experiencing during this Satna no, retreat extreme levels of fear depression anxiety elation hyperactivity etc then please sudden no, immediately come and inform an, a teacher and Satna no, then will talk no, no, then will no, no at least carefully listen to you know, what's going on in your practice, and certainly then will try to help as much as possible. In the meditation practice all sorts of experiences come up. There's a wide range of different experiences. Whatever it might be, whether rather uh, profane experiences, or you know, rather profound experiences. Some experiences are you know, somewhat uh, uh, unusual. In any case, we want to keep up our uh, mindfulness, and we want to you know, we want to adjust and be you know, flexible with whatever comes up, and you know, we want to you know, observe, um, label, observe, and know objects with an a calm, a detached, objective, uh, sorry, calm, detached, relaxed state of mind, a mind that is also alert. We want to observe objects in an objective manner and uh, without identifying with them. Now this attitude also we want to be gentle, we want to observe objects with a gentle attitude, you will see that this certain form of of an attitude will make a big difference. It will help you you to deal with objects in a proper way. So in conclusion, please stay away from any kind of extremes. Mm, Try to keep up... uh, uh um, a, a, a meditation that subna uh, follows certain uh, the middle path and sub uh, then mm, and then uh, you'll see you know that uh, treading the middle path as the Buddha has uh, uh, said long time ago that this certainly uh, will not uh, leads you will see that this will lead you uh, to a uh, deepening of your understanding, and eventually will lead to realization of the Dhamma. So allow me to conclude by wishing. May you take these instructions to heart, may you apply them to your meditation practice, and may this retreat be a fruitful retreat. May you experience things that you haven't experienced yet, and may the peace of Nibbana be yours. And this is it for now.